are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to the Thursday edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter from the Locked On Steelers Podcast, joined by my friend and co-host Ryan Tracy of the Locked On Chiefs Podcast. We've got a lot to talk about. The trade deadline approaches. We've got to talk about midseason standing points and what the playoff race looks like and get you ready for your Thursday and weekend games. Before we get into that, we got to talk to you about our great sponsor, Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. I like to watch this season sipping my Pepsi when I'm going over film study on Tuesday nights, looking at that all 22, if y'all know if, if y'all know what that life is like. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Ryan, how you doing, my man? I know that feeling, that bleary-eyed redness you get at midnight on Tuesday because you're squinting at bad film. Oh, man, I'm uh, I'm hanging in, bud. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm also doing good because we got we got our work cut out for us. We like everything we know we got to talk about today, and it's the trade the trade news that's going across. The newest trade that that we have uh, official news on here as we record this show, the Bengals have traded Carlos Dunlap, their defensive end, to the Seattle Seahawks for a seventh round pick and backup offensive lineman B.J. Finney. Now, Ryan, I don't know if you were following this, but Carlos Dunlap made it very clear he wanted to be traded to the point where he was announcing on Twitter how many bedrooms he had and that he lived in the best uh, neighborhood with the best school district weeks ago. And people were like, well, I guess that means he wants to get out of here. Right. I mean, nothing hits closer to home than home. Right. That makes a whole lot of sense. But if you have to resort to that, you either knew it was coming or you're trying to be not so subtle towards your team. I mean, you can understand it. Right. I mean, a guy with a lot of experience. I mean, getting to the point now in your career where you might be worried about seeing the end of that career. And if you want to win some games, why not? More power to him. If you could find a suitor and I'm sure his agent was working on it for that. More power to him. I say enjoy the rainy weather in Seattle. Yeah, it's interesting that he goes there. But I mean, hey, he just went from a one win team to a, you know, to a five and one team. Um, so, I mean, he, he's actually probably happy about that, regardless of uh, of where he's going there. Um, I think it's interesting that they do that. And it's 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 also kind of funny for B.J. Finney. He's uh, you know, he was he was a, a player for the Steelers for quite some time. And like he made it very public that he grew up a Steelers fan. and He would be wearing his Jack Lambert jersey everywhere. So now he's going to play for the Bengals who still have to play the Steelers twice this year. So that'll be interesting. Um, but we got other news that's not necessarily trades yet. But we've seen the Cowboys made it public that they were willing to trade defensive tackle Dontari Poe and cornerback Daryl Worley. But nobody cared. And Ryan, nobody made a move. So now they're just like, okay, we're letting them go. I, 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 when teams say, hey, does anybody want them? Usually the answer will be no, we don't. Yeah. I mean, and there's risk versus reward everywhere, right? And Dontari Poe started his career in Kansas City, somebody that I had to cover for quite a while. And he just hit a wall with injuries, with being able to stay in shape. And I can't see that there was ever going to be a trade market for him. I wonder if he gets picked up or if this is just a good time for him to try to get healthy and, and settle into retirement. 
possibly, and it, and this all comes off of, of course, Everson Griffin uh, being traded to the Lions for a conditional sixth round pick. I mean, the Cowboys being sellers, but I mean, it, it, they tried to piecemeal them so their way into having a good defense this year. Um, so I think that that just shows kind of what happens when you try to rely on free agency too much. Um, but there's other teams out there that are kind of making it public that they want to to, to get into trades. And uh, there's a report from uh, Nick Shook of around the NFL saying that the Falcons are engaged in trade talks right now for their edge rusher, Tack McKinley. Um, an interesting situation there. The Falcons, of course, not having their best season right now. Uh, we'll get to that later in the show. But what was your, what's your read on, on them trying to trade now that one of their one of their edge rushers that was a first round pick not too long ago? You know, let me back up one second, too, because Daryl Worley, I think, has not fared well in oh. the last 18 months, to say the least. But he is is much different, in my opinion. He's 25 years old. He's got a lot of ball ahead of him. And I think he will be a reclamation project for somebody that, that feels that they can get that that first look that he got in uh, in Oakland mm. back out of him. So more power to him. Tabby Kinley's a different story to me, man. I, I Great draft story. I think you saw that enthusiasm. I just, it was raw before. I haven't seen the development. I don't see him becoming a huge factor. I mean, I, I was really optimistic to tell you the truth. This season started off against Seattle, six pressures in that in week one and just kind of hit the wall pretty hard. I don't know what the market will be. I think he'll land somewhere again, a young player with a lot of upside, but he's got work to do too. Yeah, he does. And then like he looked promising too because he had six sacks in 2017, seven sacks in 2018, and then he just falls off the map last year. Um, you know, but maybe but maybe he just he needs to be in a system that has a strong defense where he can just kind of be the robin of a pass rush and while someone else is being Batman and maybe he finds his place there because then teams can't key off on him. Um, we'll see how that goes. Um, now, one guy who there's the rumors are swirling everywhere on is the Patriots, Stephon Gilmore, the reigning defensive MVP of the league. Brian, how serious do you think this is? There's the rumors that he's put his house up for sale in, uh, you know, in, in that area. Dude, just just back up and say that that again. Reigning MVP yeah. is up for trade. Yeah. I, I can't I can't give you a glimpse into Bill Belichick as, and as much as anybody else can. But I'll tell you this, the miscalculation in terms of deliverance of what they've gotten from their quarterback play has to be a big factor in this, because if you're getting solid play where you feel that you can move forward and get wins under your belt, you don't talk about doing this. You don't even hit about doing this because his versatility in particular being able to change the way that he plays every week, depending on what the opponent is, depending what they want to do with their shells, and quite frankly, to still be a rock that the McCourties can lean on as somebody you can just put out there, that's not something that you walk away from. So even, I think it's a little far-fetched, the rumors, he can talk about his house all he wants, we saw that work, but I think it's a stretch. I don't think that you can really try to move forward with even next season without somebody that can be a rock in the secondary. Do you think that that's a smart move if they head that way? Yeah, the only way I'd buy into it, like the only way I would buy into this is if Bill Belichick was 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 leaving or retiring and then some guy was like, hey, I'm going to use Stephon Gilmore as a chip to get a pick in the in the top five and then get my quarterback for the future. But Bill Belichick, he knows that he would he's gotten Stephon Gilmore. He also said he doesn't know anything about the rumors that have been spread. Uh, but I, I don't think this is what they do. They 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 need they need either Cam Newton to step his game up or they need to get him some more weapons or they need to get a, a new quarterback. But I don't think uh giving away your best player 
is the answer here um, because Bill Belichick's been in the game for a long time. Who knows how much longer he wants to be in the game, uh, but you know, selling down for the future and trying, which is going to take them more time to try to rebuild. That doesn't sound like what I would expect out of the Patriots there. Yeah. I mean, and every defense is, it's a summation of 11 players. You got to have, you know, your elite parts as well as your peacemake parts, you know, and everybody needs parts just like me. Chain stores are have different price tiers for professional mechanics, as well as the do it yourselfers like me. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low. RockAuto.com always gives you the lowest price, rather than moving them around depending on what the market will bear. RockAuto.com is for everybody, and you don't need a membership or a login. Best of all, the prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now and you'll see all the parts available for your car or truck. Just write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. We're back here on the Thursday edition of the Locked On NFL podcast. I'm Chris Carter. He's Ryan Tracy. Ryan, we got to talk about the playoff picture. We're basically halfway through the season. It's week eight. You know, we're we're, we're getting there. Um, and people got to remember there are seven playoff spots. But... There's the teams that have clearly set the mouth, set themselves at the top of the, at the top of the, the chain, the food chain right now. You got teams like the Chiefs, the Steelers, the Titans, the Buccaneers. You know, the and you got teams like the Packers who who, who, who put themselves up. But there's a few teams that are still plugging away and still figuring some things out that are working their way up the chain. If we looked at the AFC right now, that's what we'll start with the AFC. You've got the Steelers and the Chiefs as the one and the two seeds, the Titans as the three seed and the bills as the four seed. Now granted some of this is just because of bye weeks and we're still working all that out with COVID madness. Um, but those are your top four teams and the three teams that would be in the playoffs behind them would be the Ravens, the Browns and the Colts, but the Dolphins and the Raiders are right behind all of them at three and three. Where do you see the, you know, the teams that could jump further up into this playoff conversation than where they are right now? You know, honestly, the one that really, really intrigues me is somebody that we thought would probably be in a better position at this point. Now, I am a little baffled about what's going on in Cleveland. Obviously, the injury to Chubb makes a huge difference. Uh, and whether you're a fantasy player or not, you know exactly how big that is. But I expected that to be more competitive. I kind of see now that with the injury to OBJ, without Chubb, it seems like they're going to fall down that ladder and that creates an opening for somebody else. I personally wonder if it's not going to be one of the three and threes that can step up into that role. I'm looking at Miami. They're making a huge switch this week to yeah. a, how do you read that whole situation? I think it's a crazy time to do it. Um, I know it was a bye week and everything, but I was just so shocked when we read that story last week and, uh, and they're doing it against the Rams. Like you're, you're putting him up against Aaron Donald who could crush your whole offensive line. He has eight sacks in the season that's just a tall task to put a rookie on for his first start. But, hey, I mean, maybe you want to prove a point. Maybe you're sitting here um, saying, like, hey, if, if he go, you know, it proves, it proves himself, you know, against a really tough defense that just practically shut out the uh, the Bears on Monday night football, maybe, you know, that that gives him confidence moving forward. But I just – I mean, I get that the, that your future is with Tua Tagovailoa, but it just seems an odd time to do it with Ryan Fitzpatrick playing well enough – for the team to be competitive right now. Um, but hey, maybe Tua puts something into the off offense and makes them 
uh, you know, a uh, you know a better a better team for now and gets him and gets him some learning steps early on. I just think that's interesting. Um, but I'm also interested in the Raiders because they're a team that's surprised us a few times this year. You know, they beat they beat the Chiefs earlier this year. They beat the Saints earlier this year. But they're three and three, and they have a negative twenty six point differential right now. <laughs> I don't know what to make of that team. Yeah, it's. it's- I wish I had an answer for you, dude, because it doesn't make any sense. The the version that shows up off the bus each week, I think, is really, really varied still. And that's, I think, part of the evolution for not only Mayock, but for John Gruden in particular, to take that team that is car-centric and try to build around it. And now you're getting some weapons, and maybe that's helping. But there's also some instability there, even if you have a Henry Ruggs, even if you have a, probably the best version of Nelson Aguilar. I don't know, but... bringing it all together has got to be kind of a juggling act every week is my thought. Yeah. I just think there's, there, there are a lot of things there. Um, I do like what Derek Carr has put on tape a few times this year. You know, he, I think that, I think that he's had a rough deal over his past few years of his NFL career when he was on a tear to be potentially the NFL MVP years ago. And then he got an injury and then he's got more injuries. Then he's just gotten beaten up by, you know, with an, with no offensive line at times. Um, But you know, I, I just I look at the randomness of this team and, and I, I'm like, you know, they there's someone to watch. There's someone to keep your eye on for me beyond the beyond Chubb and OBJ because Chubb's supposed to be back in the next couple of weeks, I believe. But beyond OBJ and everything else that goes on with the Browns, I just don't believe in them until they show me something else. You know, they it's a foundational integrity and organizational uh, strength. You know, that's where I look for in an organization like the Ravens. The Ravens are an organization that even when they lose, they know how to rebound from things you know the the Browns were one miraculous performance by Baker Mayfield from losing to the Bengals last week and uh that to me is it was was a warning sign because after they got crushed by the Steelers it was like okay how do you respond to it and you responded to it with a so-so performance against a really bad team one of the worst teams in the uh in the NFL um and so I'm just I'm not I'm not still sold on the Browns I really think that the the Colts the Raiders and the Dolphins could be right with this team when we get down to the home stretch here. But let's let's switch to the NFC right now. I want to hear from you who you think who's the dark horse in the NFC because everyone's talking about the Seahawks, everyone's talking about the Buccaneers and people still, you know, love Aaron Rodgers. But like who's that dark horse team that might cause some troubles in the second half of the season? And this is going to sound strange, especially knowing that they have a contest against the Chiefs here coming up. But Three and four for the Carolina Panthers with a new head coach and without Christian McCaffrey. Whoa! No McCaffrey to this point, and they're going to get him back here pretty quickly. And you've managed to be just under 500. I could see them doing something. I mean, they are – I'll say this. Whenever I do the uh, the uh, the Fantasy Football Insider for Channel 11 here in Pittsburgh, uh, WPXI, and when we talk fantasy football, one thing I always bring up is that the Panthers are a nightmare for quarterbacks in fantasy football. Their defense has kept them in it. Um, their offense has, um, you know, has been has been able to put up enough points. You know, it's Teddy Bridgewater, he continues to just be a steady guy. He may not put up all the points that you need, but he's going to give you a chance to win a lot of games. And you're right when they get their best playmaker back, and maybe you know the best play, playmaker out of the backfield in the league when Kirchner McCaffrey returns. That could change a lot of things for this team. And I, I look at teams like the Saints, who I thought were going to assert themselves better early on in the season, and they just haven't yet. That that shows to me, man, that you might be right there about, about those Panthers. We'll get to them more on Thursday night football. 
Um, we talked about the Bears last week. Both you and I picked the Rams to beat the Bears, and they did so in dominating, mm. in, in dominating fashion. Don't uh, tell everybody again, but I did pick the Bears. I, I, oh, I, I, I thought you were low. I, I gave yeah. you credit. What am I doing? Uh, no, no. I, I just had to tell you the truth. I should have just rolled with it, but no. I gave you the credit. But you got the Bears at five and two. Their defense is tough. I will give them that. But their offense, they have no answers. And I don't know what they can do with that. But they're five and two. And it's like, who else is going to ch- challenge you in the NFC other than the entire NFC West? Right. I mean, and and you saw it, it took a bad performance by Foles, mistakes with the interceptions in order to get that result. So you got to figure if you can get back to steady quarterback play, this is a team that no matter how ugly it is, they could still be in it. And I, I didn't have them here. And uh, honestly, I think I have from my preseason predictions, uh, the Vikings and the Bears have completely flipped of where I thought they were going to be. And they're chasing the Packers, and the Packers obviously are are out front, but this is a long season. And if you can sustain yourself through these middle games with solid quarterback play and just notch some Ws, you can be there at the end when you got to make a surge. I agree. And uh, last thing here before we, before we move on to the next segment, the NFC West. You could technically say – because like, you could say you could call these team dark horses, but are they really? Because the Rams and the Cardinals are sitting at five and two. They're a half game behind the Seahawks at five and one. The Rams, they look tough. That defense looks physical. Jared Goff, not a great quarterback, but a, a good enough quarterback that can get the ball out to when he needs to. And Kyler Murray, he looks like a heck of a playmaker. We saw him doing that, and we saw Buda Baker, you know, even though he got flagged down by DK Metcalf, he's proven to be a very good safety. And check this out, because even the Niners are four and three. But the point differential for, for all the teams in the NFC NFC West, Seahawks plus 31, Rams plus 52, Cardinals plus 57, 49ers plus 45. Th- these are all teams that are that are way above. And you got teams like the like the, the entire NFC East, which are all negative 30 and below. Like it's just this could we have a situation where all the entire NFC West makes the playoffs? Like it's just so wild. We've seen it happen in the past, and I won't put it past them. And quite frankly, the team that I am keeping my eye on is the Cardinals. Like you said, Murray's done his thing. Buddha's doing his thing. I, I hate to look at Buddha getting chased down like that, but it is what it is. But here's the thing, and I don't think there's enough talk about this player in particular, but but the other guys around the stars, uh, Patrick Peterson and whoever else, Hassan Reddick, they're getting play out of, out of guys that – other coaching staffs have passed off on. So I think that that's a credit to the program that they're developing there. Obviously the quarterback leads the pace, but I think they're on the right track and I think there's room for them to improve quite dramatically this season. I completely agree with you there. They've got, they've got the talent on, on, uh, on both sides of the ball right now. Deandre Hopkins. I still don't understand how the Texans gave him up. I will never understand it, but, uh, but you're right. I've always liked Byron Murphy. I think that he's starting to find a place uh, right next to Patrick Peterson and don't overlook my boy, Isaiah Simmons killing it for them. Um, you know, he, he's already got an interception on the year and, and two passes, bro- passes broken up. Man, I I think I'm with you. The Cardinals are the quote unquote dark horse, even though they're five and two and in, in right. you know basically second place in the division. But Brian, I need you to tell about our great our great sponsor, Pepsi. You know, every football season is different. And this one certainly is by a long shot. And Pepsi's there to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. 
I'm a satellite subscriber myself, whether you're streaming it, whether you're, you know, venturing out to the tailgates and watching from there or whatever you do. Pepsi's a refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching, and you can go to madeforfootballwatching.com and check out more content from Pepsi. Back here on the Thursday edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast, it's time to get you guys ready for the games this weekend. We've always picked four games, three games that we think are the biggest games of the the weekend, and of course, Thursday night football to get you ready for that. We'll finish with that as our last game here. But Ryan, let's get to some of these Sunday games here. Starting right off, we're gonna go. We're gonna go into the NFC. Two teams that we wanted that we talked about uh, being contenders in the NFC and whether or not they're real or fake. And it's the Saints at the Bears. Saints four and two. Bears at at the Bears five and two. Saints. To me, they still have answers on both sides of the ball. The Bears only have answers on on defense. But will that be enough to cause the the Saints problems? We're still not sure what's going on with Michael Thomas there. Um, is this a situation where the Bears can magically pull their way to six and two, and we all are looking at ourselves next week, like how did this happen? <laughs> you know, it, it's it could be. This is this is one team that is underachieving by quite a long ways, and one team that is completely overachieving. And the problem with that is stability. Is that achievable every week, game after game? And it comes down to a number of questions. I think the the biggest quandary here for me is the Michael Thomas situation. Having been disciplined, having said we're done with that, like in a very public way, kind of caught me off guard. And we're going to have to see what happens after that because Emmanuel Sanders is a good number two. Uh, We've seen Jared Cook do some things. He's got to get more consistent, but he also had a penchant for big plays when he was with the Raiders as well. So I I lean towards that offense having enough power that if they can put their troubles behind them, that they're going to move forward in a pretty good fashion. Yeah, I think that they – I mean, Drew Brees is still there. Alvin Kamara is still there. I, I still I'm I'm with you. I, I think the Saints got to come out with a victory in this one. Um, plus, they 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 need to like this Saints team. They've gone through a lot, but they need to win this game to keep up in the NFC. Because we I, I wasn't joking when I said you know when you look at the NFC West, this could be a situation where an entire division makes a playoffs. Because before you couldn't do that because you had six teams that 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 made the playoffs. But now with seven, there's three wild card teams that don't have to win their division. This is the first time ever that an entire division could make the playoffs and. If the NFC isn't careful, it could be that entire division that makes it. Let's move. Let, let's move back. Um, and uh, well, let, let's actually go to another NFC game here. Uh, we've got the an, a rivalry game here: Niners at the Seahawks. Niners four and three. Seahawks five and one. Seahawks coming off that tough loss to the Cardinals in uh, you know with at the last second there. But I look at the this Niners team, and they they're surprising me that they're still putting up the fight that they are because. When Nick Bosa went down and, you know, they had to replace Garoppolo with Beathard, I thought this was a wrap that this season was done. It's like, hey, Super Bowl Blues, you got a heck of a roster. Just come back strong next year. But, no, they're not willing to go away yet. Yeah, and I don't think they're ever going to be willing. The The fact is that they have enough wrinkles that they can move things around. I think they've gone through, what, 17 running backs this season at this point. Everybody goes to IR. Some guys come back. This might be the the Jermichael Hasty game. We don't know. Um, one thing I will tell you this, though, I enjoy seeing the fullback do what he does. Kyle Juszczyk is, is a, a talent that is pretty unique, but one of the last staples of a fullback in this league, which I kind of pull for. But at the end of the day, especially if you saw any of the the mic'd up segments with George Kittle, the attitude that he brings, the, 
has to be the go right there. That's the go juice that can get them launched. And I have a tendency to think that they've been down long enough, like you said, with the quarterback situation and everything. I, I expect them to kind of surge here. I'm going to take them. Uh, I have a hard time picking against Russell Wilson. We're going to split here, buddy. I'm taking the home team. I'm, th- I'm saying the Seattle Seahawks, they're not going to lose two in a row. They're going to they're gonna climb to six and one. Russell Wilson's going to have to get it done. Um, as, as much as I like that the Niners are still competing, I just think that the Seahawks offensively could do too much to this Niners team um, and uh, put up the points necessary. But our game of the week here on Sunday is undoubtedly it's one of the best rivalries in all of sports, let alone in football, and it's the Steelers at the Ravens. Ravens reigning AFC North champions were the one seed last year. Uh, they've got the reigning NFL MVP in Lamar Jackson, but they're 5-1, and one, and the Steelers are 6-0. and oh, And coming off of just beating the undefeated Titans, who were 5-0 and oh last week, where do you stand with how these teams match up? Because I, I, I've, talk, I've talked about this ad nauseum on my show, because that's the <laughs> It's Ravens week. Like, if I don't talk enough about the Ravens every, uh, on Ravens week, I'm going to get fired. So I want to let you give your perspective before I jump in and say my things. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. The records reflect competition and, and quality competition. Like you said, having just beaten the Titans, that's a team that was in the championship game last year for the division. This is a, a still a very good team, despite mythical chips on their shoulder about you know not following COVID rules or whatever. But the Ravens have had a game like that. They played the Chiefs and lost. Mm -hmm. So the the levels of competition, you can see both of the peaks so far. One lived up to the test and one hasn't. Now that said, does that give you an edge? If if you're the Ravens, does that give you more of an impetus to to come after and really get to the peak? I don't know that the run game is is what they want it to be. Uh, I still want to see what they do with Mark Ingram. I'm waiting for J.K. Dobbins to get going. Someday, maybe. I don't know. But at the end of the day, I think it comes down to how you can exploit the other team. And I've been impressed with the the Steelers' defense. They're better than I expected them to be preseason. And defending Lamar is always unique. But now you have somebody in Claypool on the other side that you have to defend just as much. And when you're talking about Juju being number two at this point in terms of the way that teams deal with them, I think that gives you primary matchups on both sides that maybe evens this out. I think it's nearly a toss, but uh, I'll take the underdog in the Ravens. Sorry, let's. I'll be clear. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Ravens opened his favorites in, according to Vegas. That's the crazy oh. part about this. Uh, so when you said the underdogs, I was like, he's taking the Steelers. Um but uh, but I look at this and I see so many things that line up for the Steelers pretty well. Now, the one thing I think is is going to be interesting about this game is the Steelers receivers versus the Ravens corners because the Ravens are deep at, cor- at cornerback. But now we see how deep the Steelers are at receiver. You know, you mentioned Claypool and Juju, but don't forget about Deontay Johnson. That man gets separation like nobody's business. A lot of people try to compare him to Antonio Brown. I tell people he's more like Santonio Holmes. And Santonio Holmes was a Raven killer for years. And uh, I, I, I see this being a total, uh, you know, a chance for Ben Roethlisberger to come back. He's heard all the talk, um, you know, about Lamar Jackson and all the Heisman quarterbacks in his division. And I see this as a chance for Ben Roethlisberger to sort of seal the deal. It's like, hey, I'm still the man 
in the AFC North here. But at the same time, the Ravens, they're not willing to give it up. They're not going to come in here and just be like, oh, the Ra- the Steelers are, are doing well this year. We're going to play. No, they're going to play up to competition. They got Yannick Ngakwe. He's reunited with Calais Campbell, former Jaguars, who used to give the Steelers a lot of problems. That's going to be a huge that, – that's where I think the Ravens can sort of – get an advantage here is if that defensive line causes problems, shuts down the Steelers ground game, though no one's really done that yet. Um, I, I think that could give them an edge in this game. But I think ultimately when you look at the Steelers front, they're athletic. They, they did a really good job containing Lamar Jackson last year. They forced him to throw three interceptions um, and they had five sacks on him. Um, and that was in a game where they had Mason Rudolph, who was eventually knocked out with a you know, cold. I mean, he was out before he hit the ground. And then Devlin Hodges came in, and they still almost won in overtime against the Ravens. I got to go with the Steelers. I think they're going to continue their run right now. Um, you know, I think, you know, we still got to see how some things play out this year. But th- these are two teams that I said before the year, they're, they're, they're going to be a coin flip. Uh, as far as who wins the division and then who's a, a wild card in the AFC. But both teams are highly competitive. They organize themselves the same way. It's why I respect the heck out of both organizations. Now, NFC South, Thursday night football. We got here. Falcons, 1-6. At the Panthers, 3-4. and four. You and I talked about this Panthers team and, and how, how they could be that sneaky dark horse. The Falcons... We just talked about how they're also in sell mode. Is this just a going away market down as a, a potential for survivor pick win? I mean, that's really the question. Is Have they packed it in? Because attacks one thing. Now, I don't know that they've relied on him in the past. I mean, I don't, I don't know the locker room vibe for that particular team. Is it a guy that's in the room that gives you some pass rush sometime or somebody that you revolve around? Because if you're talking about taking somebody out of there that helps get that defense ready, as poor as it has been, that could actually be a bonus and and get you back on track. I mean, you still have Deion Jones. You you can still defend some of the things that are harder to defend in this league. Uh, the fact that that you have Julio and you have Calvin and you got to get him the ball. How you're going to do that is always a question. Uh, you know, if you can if you can not score when you're not supposed to score, maybe the running back helps you. There are, there are a couple of things, but at the end of the day. I think it's a it's a team in turmoil, right? Am I am I missing yeah, something? No, you're 100 right there. I think they're. I mean, they 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 got rid of their head coach for a reason. They're they're still they're still figuring things out. I think the the, the Falcons are, and and they may have weapons. Julio Jones a bad man. Calvin Ridley's also a bad man. Both of them from Alabama. Um, and uh, Matt Ryan is still that quarterback that can get them the ball. But the Panthers, they found enough answers, I think, on defense to limit these guys and. The Falcons just have too many problems on offense, you know, and I are on defense. I mean, and I think that they're going to they're they're going to be grasping at straws and trying to cover DJ Moore and um and and, and even if Christian McCaffrey isn't back for this game, Mike Davis has proved like a reliable backup, and they've found ways to make things work in this offense. Also, look out for Ian Thomas, their tight end in this game. I got the I got the Panthers winning this one at home and uh, making making short work of, of the Falcons. I'll take the Panthers too. And I, I will say this. I'll just point out one guy that I'm looking to take another step forward is Brian Birds, a guy that I was real big on in the draft process. This might be one where he can do some damage. Absolutely. Ryan, we made it. Yeah. We got through the show, man. Another Thursday edition down here on the Locked On NFL podcast. Thanks so much for listening, y'all. Um, as always, we are we are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere podcasts are hosted. Um, we got we we got we got a lot of stuff coming up here. Uh, going on in the Locked On NFL podcast. But Ryan, let people know where they can follow more of your work. Everything is over at Ryan Tracy NFL on Twitter. Uh, no E in that one. And you can always find stuff there. 
As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Carter Critiques. If you follow me, I'll follow you back. You can also find my work at DKPittsburghSports.com and the Locked On Steelers podcast. Tune in tomorrow. We got your boy, your boy Q and Bo Rack back on, giving you the Friday edition. They'll be recapping that, that NFC South game right here for you on the Locked On NFL podcast.